Welcome to the Robotics Process Automation Podcast with Digital Workforce Solution. Throughout this series, we'll provide all of the latest information and insights around RPA to help you streamline your workflows, increase your organization's profitability, and raise your employees' overall satisfaction and engagement. You can learn more about the benefits of software robotics and implementation by visiting digitalworkforcesolution.com. Here is your host, Matthew Gustaitis. Matt Gustaitis, the founder and lead advisor at Digital Workforce Solution, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist helping companies adopt and utilize emerging digital solutions. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program and be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. In today's healthcare ecosystem, every health system, hospital, and physician is being asked to do more with less. Fortunately, new technologies are providing a lifeline to the industry. It is estimated that AI applications can cut annual U.S. healthcare costs by $150 billion in 2026 alone. A large part of these cost reductions stem from changing the healthcare model from a reactive to a proactive approach, focusing on health management rather than disease management. We are fortunate to have an industry leader give us his perspective and insight on the exciting uses and future of AI in the health sector. Welcome to the program, Matt. Thanks for joining us on the Hello Human podcast and bringing your knowledge and expertise to the program. To get us started, uh, it would be great if you could just give us a little background on Digital Workforce Solution and your journey to start the firm. Great. Thanks, John. Uh, Glad to be here. Um, This is Matt Gostaitis. I've been, uh, I started Digital Workforce Solution in early 2020. Um, We've built a small team now um, and we're heavily focusing on helping clients really better understand how they can leverage uh, process uh, process mining and technology in order to improve what their their jobs are on a a day-by-day basis. So there's a team of us um, and a lot of the work that we go, that we spend on right now, especially in the healthcare sector, um, and we're spending a lot of time with IU Health here in Indianapolis, helping them better understand how uh, they can leverage technology to really improve not only their processes, but also uh, just the, uh, the ability for employees to be involved in uh, the work that, that uh, is going on to really transform how business is being done. That's great. And you also have a bit of industry, bit of background in the in the pharmaceutical space as well, uh, if I remember correctly. And you know, I spent five or six years uh, earlier in my career uh, helping with a, a very early online medical medical education program. And I think you know, sort of having that balance between pharma and healthcare, you know, gives you a, a, a bit different perspective sometimes. Uh, is that your sense as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks, John. Yeah, I spent uh, almost 20 years at Eli Lilly um, and actually spent a lot of time in finance and a number of different roles, but um, toward the end, really helping them spearhead, uh, getting them started on their automation journey using uh, process automation tools, um, looking at how we can um, leverage technology to really improve uh, business processes, especially within the finance department. So it is interesting uh, when you look at pharma and how they're approaching the use of uh, process mining tools, um, AI, and then um, now working more on the hospital side, 
and really seeing how, um, how there's so much opportunity, especially on the hospital side of things within healthcare um, and just um, the opportunities that are there. And so it really gives me a, a very different perspective um, looking at it from those different lenses. We can we can tackle the pharma space another day. We'll get back to to sort of the health uh, healthcare sector now. So to give us kind of a, a baseline for our discussion today, you know, how would you describe the the current state of AI adoption in the health sector? Uh, you know, as we've seen in in many industries, you know, the pandemic was seen as this real accelerator for adopting AI and especially automation technologies. You know, the whole oh, we've done, you know, two years of transformation in the past two months, you know, that sort of line came through a couple, in, in a couple different areas. Um, it, 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 have we seen that sim similar accelerator uh, in the healthcare area? You know, it's interesting, John, um, automation has been a hot topic for, I would say, a number of years, all the way back when I was at Eli Lilly, um, that it was very much um, a term that was used quite, uh, quite broadly. But you know, healthcare companies and hospitals have been, I would say a little, from my perspective, have been a little behind other industries and in its adoption of automation. But however, from what I'm seeing, it has the greatest potential. And I would say now um, hospitals and healthcare, uh, there's, a, there's a big interest in that. And because of the greatest potential that they have where you know, this can directly impact the patient even, um, I think that we're seeing that hospitals and healthcare organizations are realizing the potential for uh, from the use of AI and, and really seeing real results, especially um, across you know from hospital to hospital. You're starting to see um, the growth there, and it it definitely has the biggest upside that I'm seeing of any industry um, across the board and 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 beyond just the um, you know bottom line benefit is also, like I said, the benefits when you think about to patients, um, to those that, that really um, can, can really benefit beyond just the, the value of it. And so I think that that uh, really excites me that um, seeing that big upside and, and really the interest at from the top down, uh, from leadership on down to those that are involved in the day-to-day -day activities, really seeing a significant growth and interest and in, in more people wanting to step into um, those types of roles today. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the healthcare industry, it's its own unique beast for people who've, who've spent time in it. You know, fortunately, I'm, you know, relatively healthy and haven't been to the hospital too many times. But when you, you know, even if you just go to your you know, general checkup is, is usually pretty easy. But, you know, any visit to the ER, or, or, you know, any anytime you need some sort of diagnostic done or procedure done, you know, you end up getting you know, five or six different bills from eight different organizations and how it all comes together. I mean, it, it seems to be that ideal, uh, you know, area for AI where you've got all these, you know, different sources of data. They're not necessarily in the same place and how you can bring them all together and, and, and ultimately get a, a better outcome. Um, you know, this idea of, of leveraging technology to shift from, you know, more reactive to a proactive approach to delivering care you know, makes a lot of sense and, and, and sounds really cool. Um, but, you know, the reality of the situation, you know, you're, you are in this day to day, you know, healthcare systems are ungodly complex. There's lots of areas that can, we can fix before we get to the cool stuff. You know, are we, are we starting to make some process, uh, some progress on the easy stuff and, and not trying to just chase the, the next shiny object out there? You know, John, that, that is an interesting question because this is all this is what comes up 
pretty frequently um, is this topic brings a lot of contention because you know leadership always wants to find the quote unquote shiny object and with you know good reason that's obviously you would want to get the most value from your investment however the reality is with anything new to the organization it takes time it takes dedication and hard work um, you know as an example it's a lot easier to score runs in a game by hitting a number of base hits but it's more fun to hit home runs uh, but what we are trying to do in our in our organization and helping um, these healthcare um, units is we're trying to help them understand that um, you can aim big and try to find those home runs and, and at the same time keep with the small opportunities in mind. Um, so we we really focus on helping them understand the balance of continuing to look for those opportunities, but you know, let's keep things moving forward. Let's find even the small opportunities and do our best to deliver on as much as we can uh, because time is of the essence, especially in healthcare. So health systems are very complex, absolutely, like you said. And so it takes time to really understand processes. Um, in some cases, um, you have to fix the process before you can do any type of automation. Um, that's where we really find where we spend most of our time is actually understanding the process and really helping figure out what is the best way to set up this process before we just go and, and try to automate it. Uh, this is why we recommend, recommend carving out a continuous improvement team, uh, which is usually a group that's upfront, um, trying to help uh, figure out, it, you know, are these things that we can uh, improve? We can, maybe we have to re-engineer the process prior to starting RPA development. So, it's, it's a lot of work um, that I think sometimes organizations don't realize, but at the same time, there's huge benefits. And so absolutely to your point, um, the, you know, we're always looking for that big opportunity, but at the same time, keeping our eye on continuing to deliver on what we need to. And once you find um, that shiny object, um, you're, you know, you're going to be ready to deliver it. Um, you don't, don't want to find that shiny object and then say, okay, now what do we need to do? you want to be ready to go ahead and deliver on it. So uh, I think setting up shop and being ready to go gives you the opportunity to find those big opportunities and really drive them to completion. And that's what really, we really try to do on a regular basis. Yeah, you hit, you hit a lot of great points there. And I, I, I love the sports analogy and the, the hits versus home runs. And like any good team, you know, you ultimately need a balance of it and, and what, the, what the right formula is. Uh, you know, is, is, is to be determined, but, you know, having that combination of, of skills and outcomes is, is, is usually drives the best, the best, uh, the best deliverables. Um, and I think the other piece that, that really sort of caught my attention there in your comments was this idea of you got to re-engineer the process before you automate. And, you know, we see in, in, in the companies that we deal with so often, you know, there's this rush and there's this push to automation. And, you know, as you know, there's nothing worse than automating a bad process. I mean, mm -hmm. it was Gates who said, you know, the, the, the second rule of automation is, you know, you're just, you're just accelerating the dysfunction in, in if, if you automate a bad process. Um, and that comes up again and again and again. So we, we try to hammer on, look, you got to discover the process, you got to re-engineer the process, and then you can automate the process. And you got to do it in that order to ultimately be effective. Um, but no, that, that's great insight. Um, you know, what would you say are the top three opportunities for AI to impact healthcare in the next few years? Wow. Um, they, I would say, you know, there are a lot of 
opportunities. There's there's so many different areas, but from what from what we're seeing, um, there are many excellent opportunities, especially within hospital networks. Um, you know, having worked in uh, like you said, pharmaceuticals, um, there's great opportunities there. But I think you know, you think about the complexity. So the more complexity you have, obviously, it makes it harder to really figure out where where you have opportunities and go after. But once you automate it, it you can make significant headway in in what you're trying to do. Um, so we're seeing great progress, I would say, especially within hospitals in the revenue cycle operations, including you know examples would be like registration, um, patient indexing. You know, there's a lot of information that has to be captured um, and provider and payer tracking and billing. So, you know, provider to payer, um, all of that is, is really key. So with so many different players and so many intricacies and um, the amount of time that's involved in it, um, there's a lot of data entry uh, within hospitals and within the healthcare um, space. Um, and this will need to be improved and simplified. So I would say, you know, to me, um, I would say those are really, you know, what a, a top priority for a lot of healthcare systems. Um, but I would say definitely within, um, you know, as far as AI goes, I think that those top three opportunities would probably be obviously um, anything, you know, facing the patient where you can really speed up um, the, just the getting the information from the patient when they come in um, to actually getting that all the way into your EMR and, and other systems that you need to. I think that that to me is a really big opportunity uh, that I think AI can continue to improve on. And you're seeing it, you know, across the board, we're seeing so many different um, new technologies coming out in the AI space, really trying to help that because they know the importance to um, hospitals and healthcare networks as it relates to both on the patient side and then also in dealing with um, the provider and, and ultimately to the payer. Um, as well. So I, th I think those are really some key areas that we're seeing. Yeah, the, the other one I would add to that is that whole sort of diagnostic area and the, the, oh, computer, yeah. the yeah. computer vision technology. I mean, I used to, to do also do some work on the security side. And we talked about, you know, having the security guard having, you know, 50, 60 screens to try to look at. And he's, you know, how can you stay focused and figure out, okay, let me let me find that anomaly so I can address it. And, you know, you sort of go blind to it after a while. And, you know, anytime you have, you know, sort of those those image diagnostic situations, you know, it seems to be a similar type thing where you can use the technology just to to make the the improvement better to help, you know, sort of augment the human's ability to sort of say, OK, that yeah, that might look a little funny. Let me dig into that piece a little little more closely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so look, looking at sort of the other side of the coin, you know, what would you say are the, the, the big challenges that may slow the adoption of AI in the health sector over the next few years? Well, I can tell you from what, from what we're seeing, uh, I would say the biggest threats at this point would be, you know, there's so many options in different automation technologies, um, you know, that there, and, and people have to figure out what is, what's the right tool for the right situation. Um, there's, also a lot of competing priorities. I think that, that is, um, that's always a challenge, especially within healthcare is, you know, you just have so many competing priorities. You know, when COVID hit, um, that, that was, you know, a big challenge. So you've got to switch gears and you've got to 
you know, make do with what you can. So I think that, you know, that's always a challenge when you have those competing priorities, because um, there's a lot of work that obviously has to go into really setting things up for long-term success and the need to, and I would say the other threat would be a defined strategy across the enterprise. You know, we're seeing where um, there's a lot of people with vested interest, but you definitely want to have a strategy um, that, that can work across the enterprise and not just in silos. And so, um, you know, too many options, like I mentioned, too many options on automation technologies, this can cause confusion. Um, and sometimes we're seeing where it slows down progress. You know, I remember going to conferences and speaking at different conferences and talking with people and, you know, you'd see the same people, you know, a year later and say, how's it going? Well, we still haven't figured out what tool to use. And it's like, well, you, you, you really need to get in there and you, you can't focus too, you can't overanalyze the technologies. You obviously want to make a good decision, but you, you've got to make sure that you um, get going. You want, you want to get started on your journey. Um, so I think that's really important. We've seen a lot of competing priorities uh, with clients over the last year, like I mentioned with COVID. Um, I think setting goals that are challenging but achievable is very important. Um, we see a lot of organizations um, struggling with uh, just the challenge of, you know, is this achievable or is it not? You want to have it to be challenging, but at the same time, you, you want to be able to meet some of your goals as you go. We have to remind organizations that the initial investment is well worth the return on investment for years to follow. So um, unlike a typical, you know, IT project, sometimes where it's a, you know, maybe a one-year project and you get the initial benefit, in this case, um, you know, it's really for the long haul. You're making an investment uh, that's really going to transform the organization. So I think, though, to me, those are the top three would be the various technologies, competing priorities, and then a defined strategy um, that we're really seeing and, and trying to work through a lot of that to make sure that organizations are successful. Yeah, no, that, that all makes a lot of sense. And I, I've been saying recently that sort of, you know, we, we hear about this, you know, challenge of transformation and only 30% of transformation projects are, are successful. Uh, you know, sort of all the, all the analysts community sort of touts that number. And I think some of that is around too much focus on, on technology being the answer. And I think you addressed it there too. Like, you know, Hey, we're, you know, there, there's this, sort of paralysis that happens because everyone's waiting for the perfect ideal technology. But, you know, as we've learned in medical research that you know, there's there are a lot of failures out there before you before you find the, the wonder drug that comes in. And, you know, you've got to just test and, and start somewhere with with this technology sometimes. And again, you know, pe people have been too focused on, on technology as the answer and, and, and sort of forgetting about or, or not giving enough emphasis as to, you know, sort of the people and the process dimensions of, of any sort of complex project. So looking at, at that side a little bit, um, you know, obviously there are, there are a lot of people tackling AI in the, in the healthcare space to really improve outcomes. Is there a particular model that seems to work better? You know, do, do hospitals need to borrow a page from the tech world and establish, you know, COEs to accelerate outcomes and values potentially? You know, it's a great question, John, because although technology is very key to hospitals, um, it is not usually the focus of the organization. Um, and, and rightly so, not to say it's not important, but it's just when you're dealing with patients and um, all the work that has to go into making sure um, that people are getting what they need. We always, uh, from our perspective, we always recommend establishing, establishing some sort of COE um, where a center of excellence 
uh, where that is where that is housed may vary by organization. So there needs to be some you know group that's really uh, becoming the experts and able to proliferate that out to the rest of the organization. So you need some central um, area that you can uh, really control where this is coming from. But but beyond that is also just being able to train and enable the rest of the organization over time. But I would say what is very important is that the business, uh, from my perspective, really in a lot of ways needs to lead the identification of the opportunities and thus really has to drive the prioritization and delivery. Um, I think this is something that will change how IT and the business operations works together in the future, uh, because I think that um, you know, there's always a lot of conversation around where should the COE reside, but you know, more importantly than that is how is IT and the business working together? Because at the end of the day, we have to match up the right technology with the right opportunity from a business perspective and make sure that we're delivering on what the business needs are. And so uh, I, I think to me, that's, that's really an important thing. And to your point, having a COE, having a center of excellence is really um, a huge benefit can really help, um, especially as you get out into years one, two, you know, after year one and you get into year two and year three forward, um, really having a core group becomes more critical. Yeah, that's great. And I hadn't really thought about sort of, you know, the, the idea that, you know, core mission of a hospital is so far withdrawn from a sort of technology viewpoint that they don't really think about it that way. I mean, I, was, I saw somewhere a case study of a bank around automation and COEs, and they had like, 20, 25 people who were process experts alone in the COE. Then they had another 25, 30 who were, you know, sort of the, the automation engineers. And then they had a full 20 person or so data science team um, just for a, you know, large bank, you know, national bank, um, you know, over uh, in, in, in the sort of Asia Pacific region. Um, but just seeing sort of those numbers and what the bank was focusing on, you know, I'd be hard pressed to find a, a big healthcare system with a COE of, you know, automation COE of, of you know, nearly what, 75 people or so, whatever I, I mentioned there. Um, but I, I think, again, sort of having that insight and, and drive of, hey, if we don't really adopt technology, you know, we're going to be out of business in a couple of years. You know, that healthcare doesn't think in, in that way yet, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you know, in, in the future, it will a bit more. Um, but I think that's sort of why you have that discrepancy around, you know, technology versus, you know, patient outcomes. Obviously, patient outcomes are the most important, but, you know, having that vision that technology can drive it, I think, is is, is critical. Uh, hey, one, one more area to touch on, then we'll wrap things up here. You know, ethical AI comes up in conversations more and more on the commercial sector. You know, what's, what's sort of the impact of ethics and explainable AI in healthcare that you're seeing? You know, when the, the technology starts deciding who does and who doesn't get treatment, you know, I assume the, the scrutiny of AI models starts to jump significantly. Just to go back with, John, what you had mentioned as it relates to technology and hospitals, I had one more comment is that, you know, the, the really good news is that we're starting to see where technology really is getting more attention. Um, and, you know, I, I would say, at least from my experience, and I, you know, only have it for a number of years here, but, you know, if you go back, I think definitely seeing the, the partnership now, especially with, um, you know, some of the clients in the healthcare space, it's really exciting to see that 
IT is really wanting now to, to partner even more than they ever have before uh, because they're seeing the potential opportunities. You know, and when you share in the benefits, when you share in the excitement of, of the delivery um, of what you're doing and, and meeting your goals, um, I think it becomes, you know, it drives more interest. And so it, it is interesting back to your point that it probably wasn't as much in the past. But I think we're going to see a lot more as we move forward um, within the healthcare space. So um, just wanted to add that. Related to the um, ethical AI, you know, I would say I am definitely not the expert on these specifically within these conversations. But I will say that we are seeing a number of years out from true um, AI in this space becoming a reality. And I think that's, you know, that's probably a good thing from the fact that there's probably some things that have to be worked out. Um, most of the automation we are seeing is just probably at the machine learning stage at this point. There's, you know, there's definitely a continuum of automation. That's also one reason why we say organizations should really get interested in, in getting on the path of automation because it's kind of a long journey and there's a lot of um, new things coming in, um, but it will take a large amount of data and a lot of coordinated effort and testing, I would say, before AI is able to really make decisions like the example that you brought up, where, um, where an AI model is able to just make a decision on its own. I will say the healthcare industry, from what I'm seeing, will obviously need to require a significant amount of validation and testing before this would ever become an option. So, you know, I think in, in that case, they'll probably really flush out a number of um, concerns or things that, that need to be looked at, but I think that will just improve the AI models over time. And so uh, I definitely think AI in, in healthcare um, is going to play a major role. I just think that um, hospitals and healthcare is really going to, is honestly, is going to help drive the capabilities, I think, within AI because of um, the this, like I mentioned, the scrutiny and a lot of the um, testing and validation that will have to happen before, you know, you would ever want some AI model making a decision on your healthcare. So I think that that's definitely something that I, I would imagine we'll see in the near future. No, I, I appreciate you keeping me honest there, Matt. And, and again, I, th I think, you know, you're right. It's probably less of a, a AI replacing the human and it's more of an augmentation. You know, how, yeah. how do we, how do we really, you know, help make better decisions by combining the best of technology with the best of our, you know, human intelligence around these decisions on, on medical care. Um, but I think, I think overall, it's great insight and a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Matt Gostitis, the lead advisor and founder at Digital Workforce Solutions, healthcare providers face increasing pressure to manage revenue, optimize utilization, and reduce costs. At the same time, they are being asked to prevent illness, optimize care, and improve patient outcomes. Fortunately, AI-enabled technology solutions are delivering productivity, efficacy, and accuracy to traditionally human-centered processes, especially in the health sector. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Matt, for joining us and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. If you enjoyed it, be sure to give us that like or five-star review on whatever platform you're listening. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. That's a wrap for this episode of the Robotics Process Automation Podcast. To learn even more or to schedule a free consultation, visit digitalworkforcesolution.com.